Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Pendulum Magazine's The Main Hustle. Today, we are joined by Mijun Pak, widely considered by everyone in the industry as one of the original foodies when she first started her food blog many years ago. In this episode, we talk about her journey in building her personal brand over the years and the several points at which she thought about giving up and how she surpassed those difficulties. Now, let us listen to the episode. Hi, Meiju. Hi, how are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me? Awesome. Yes, yes. Loud and clear. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Perfect, perfect. So thank you for joining us on our podcast today. And we're super excited about the new upcoming season of Top Chef Canada, which is amazing. So we're hoping to chat with you and, you know, get some background on yourself and also what you're excited about for the upcoming season. Absolutely. I can't wait. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, well, let's give our audience some context because let's say if they've never come across you, let's talk about how you got your start in the food and beverage industry. So take us back to the beginning. Oh my gosh. Do you have two hours for this? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I'm like, can you, can you do the elevator pitch style? (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, so I started a food blog in July, 2009. So it's almost 12 years ago, um, called followmefoodie.com. And originally I was in the marketing industry. So I was working for Paramount Pictures. And so I was in charge of like all the advanced screenings of all the Paramount Picture movies. And then food has always been an interest of mine in terms of cooking, trying restaurants and all that stuff. And I had um, started just writing about food in a journal, like literally with a pen and paper, super old school. And I would be like writing about the restaurants I went to, writing about what I ate and writing about like certain things I liked and didn't like and all of that stuff just as a hobby. And so my sister had like witnessed me kind of writing all of the stuff. And she was like, well, you know, you should, you should start a blog. And at that time in 2019, like blogs or 2009, blogs weren't that popular. They were popular, but not everybody was doing it yet. So it was Mm -hmm. kind of like I was coming into the wave before it sort of hit really big. And so I didn't really know what a blog was. And she's like, oh, it's so easy. It's so easy to set up. But I was like, no, like, I like don't know anything about computers. I don't know how to do a web page. She's like, it's so easy. Just let me show you. And she kind of showed me and then I did it and it was super easy. And so I started doing um, the blog and I started, I said to myself, I said, okay, well, I'm going to write on a new restaurant every three days. I like, I dine out enough that I should be able to do this. And then that just ended up being every single day. And mm-hmm. I wrote in that blog every single day and like, like intensely, this was 10 page essays to like over 2,500 words, like for every single restaurant I went to. So it was every single day I was publishing a new article on a new restaurant that I tried for about three and a half years. Um, and so I, I like, and in the like growing in other areas too, like I got offered, um, you know, a newspaper column called follow me foodie. And then I was doing local TV and all of that stuff. And I guess the top chef role came, I continued doing it for, you know, three, four, five, six. Now we're in our seventh year. And I was just like, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but like, I'm having fun (laughs) with it. And there's like opportunities that have come along, but I don't know where I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, then I heard like, you know, Top Chef Canada was being um, not re- well, not renewed because it had gone on hiatus for almost two years, but they were bringing yeah. the show back. 
And, um, you know, this wasn't really on my on my mind, though. It was just such a such a far fetched thing that I just, you know, knew about it, but didn't consider like didn't really, you know, pay attention to it that much. Um, Mark McEwen, though, he ended up uh, doing a kind of press trip with one of the sponsors um, that would be coming back for that year. So that would be considered season five. So his PR team had messaged me and was like, oh, we're going to have a stop in Vancouver. And, um, you know, we would love if you came out to the event. And Mark and I had met previously at like another dinner before. We were out with like a couple mutual friends of ours in Vancouver. And Mark was here for a collaboration dinner. So me and like four chefs, we ended up going out for dinner and stuff like that. And so we had talked for like maybe 10, 15 minutes, but we didn't know each other well. So when he came to Vancouver for with this um, pork company that was going to be a sponsor for Top Chef season five, his PR was like, oh, come out to the event. And I was just like, oh, like, you know, I, I, I just come back from Japan and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. Da, 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 da. And anyways, they said, well, try if you can. So I arrived mm-hmm. about 20 minutes, half an hour after the event. So it was supposed to be at like finish at six o'clock. I got there at 620 and I was like, you know, I'm sorry I'm late, but if there's time, maybe I can go say hi and at least like thank them for the invite. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, there's still some people upstairs if you want to go quickly say hi. So I said, okay. And I went up and I just, you know, talked to Mark. I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know if you remember me. We've met in like the past. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember you. And I told him that I just come back from a trip to Tokyo and I was telling him about the food and the experiences. And we talked for literally about like 20 minutes. And then he goes, you know, Top Chef Canada is coming back. And I was like, yeah, I know. Congratulations. That's awesome. And he's like, I think you'd be great for it. And I was like, oh, like, that's really nice. Like, thank you. Like, cool. And then he's just like, I want you to be a host or a judge. I'm going to put the, uh, the producers in contact with you. And I was like, what? And I was just kind of like, <laughs> okay, well, Here's like my contact information, but I'm not going to like put my hopes on it just because there's a lot of promises along the way that never work out. So I'm just like, okay, whatever, I'll take it with a grain of salt. And so I ended up like, you know, kind of forgetting about it. I was like, you know, really flattering, but I'm not going to hear from him. And then, you know, a couple days pass and like nothing happens. And I was like, yeah, well, that's okay. It was flattering, but that's fine. And then like suddenly a week later, I get like a phone call or an email. And it was like, this is a producer of Top Chef. We'd like to jump on a phone call with you. I was like, what no way <laughs> and so I was like okay I was like yeah like I'm free pretty much anytime you want to talk and so jumped on a phone call with them and then they're just like this is great like you know like we would love to meet you in person like Mark highly recommends you um if you're out in Toronto like let us know da 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 and I happened to be going out to Toronto so I actually met with them and then you know, that's kind of how everything happened. And they were just like, you know, we'll let you know. Um, you know, nothing was confirmed, though, because, you know, I'm sure there were other people they were looking at as well. And they were just like, this is great to know. Um, it was great meeting you. And like, you'll hear back from us or, or you know, regardless with the inf- what the result is. And I was just like, okay, like, even if I'm a guest judge for one episode, that would make my day. Like, even if I wash dishes for the show, that would make my day. So, <laughs> You're like, I'm so on it. I'm still so part exactly. of it. Exactly. <laughs> so I was just like, whatever. Like, at this point, like, any exposure, any networking, this is all great. And then, uh, you know, they were kind of playing around. Like, maybe you'll be a guest judge. Maybe you'll be, like, a resident judge. But maybe, like, just one episode. I'm like, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you guys think. <laughs> and then um, about, like, a few weeks later, they were just like, you're, we want you to be a resident judge and that's appearing on every single episode. And so I was just like, at that point, I think I was just like bawled my eyes out. And it was just one of those things where like, 
you know, your, your hopes and dreams. It's like, oh my gosh, finally, like you look back at your work and you're just like, it was worth something, you know? And um, as much as like, I've enjoyed everything, like that was really a big turning point in my career and a really big, um, uh, you know, a, a big, a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helped with just kind of everything else that I've um, experienced since then. Yeah. So what were you doing at the time when you had come across this Top Chef Canada opportunity? So what I was doing was, I, so I was working with Paramount doing marketing. And then yeah. it was about a year into starting the blog when the blog started really consuming my time. And like mm-hmm. the, the views for it started increasing really rapidly. And then I started getting like invites for press trips and like, you know, to go explore food in other countries. And I was like, where am I going? Mm -hmm. And then it ended up consuming so much of my time that it was like, I literally am like, you know, doing two things and I'm spread so thin right now. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. I talked to my friends and I had kept my life so separate and everyone thought I was just doing the blogging because my friends knew about it. And in the movie world, I told everyone like, don't sit, don't mention about the blogging. Right. And then Mm -hmm. my friends were just like, you know, like uh, one of my girlfriends said, well, you're, your, you know, what pays you isn't, isn't necessarily the thing you should go for, right? Like what really drives you? What's your passion? And like, you know, at that time I was really young, I was early twenties. So I was just like, you know, the, the risk is less. And so, um, I decided to, I, to just go both feet in and look, I'm luckily I had my parents support in terms of like, you know, they, they, I was able to stay with them and everything like that. And, you know, um, they were very, at first, they were very resistant. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is kind of a hobby. Like, you know, Asian parents that are immigrants. <laughs> yeah, food, food is a hobby. Exactly. It's not really something they think you can make money yeah, off of, you're, right? <laughs> like, you're not going to actually be doing a blog, right? Like, you know, they didn't understand yeah. it. And so there was resistance in the beginning. And then I just really, really worked hard at it. And um, when they started kind of seeing, like, things happen and they saw that, like, there was no convincing me otherwise, they became really supportive and um, mm-hmm. you know and so then I was like hey I have to make a decision either I'm gonna always be one foot in or one foot out or I'm just gonna be like fully submersed and like really try to make this work and so I kind of took the deep dive in and um, and yeah and literally I was when you start to make your hobby your job though you start charging for your time so whatever okay. it was I was just like okay well before I would write like for this article for free but like you know, maybe like it's worth like, you know, a couple hours of my time. So then you charge for that. And then, you know, certain people, you know, want you to do like X, Y, Z, then you start charging for that. And not everyone's going to pay you, especially when you're green and you're a rookie. And in this world, that's actually, yeah, yeah, super interesting, because that's the one thing, for example, other bloggers, foodies who are getting asked to do posts, blog posts, do photos. How did you set your price when you initially got started asking for these types of jobs these are great questions like honestly in the beginning the perks seem like they're enough and that's what most people do as a hobby it's like oh that's Mm -hmm. really nice like I'm invited to this restaurant opening oh that's nice I get to go to this but it's honestly that'll only last you for so long because then life like hits you in the face and it's like oh I have bills to pay (laughs) like where am I going to get the money from to pay for these (laughs) so it's like you literally start and then you just kind of play around you're just like okay well um, you know, you ask like your friends, like if you were going to charge, like, what are you charging? And some people would be like, oh, a hundred dollars, oh, $200 or whatever that is. And then it wasn't until I kind of talked to my friends with more experience that were in, that had their own businesses. And I've always had kind of entrepreneurial friends. 
And they're just like, no, you're missing the big picture. You're not charging for your time. You're charging for your brand. And they're like, you know, you have to start looking like how many followers do you have? Like, it's not just about like, how long does this take me to do? It's about like the value they're getting out of all of this. And, you know, it took me years. Mm -hmm. It took me years to find um, to find like a decent income to be able to support myself. In the beginning, I was like making negative for like the first few years I was making like in the negative, but so like so driven and ambitious to like and stubborn to like make it work that I was just like, you know, one day it'll come. I just have to like keep pushing at it. And whether it be um, like, oh, like consulting for a menu and charging for that or, um, you know, for a newspaper article and charging for that or like um, a little bit of, uh, you know, camera stuff like charging. Like it was so tricky in the beginning or or when people would start to be like, oh, like I want you to try this teriyaki sauce you know, and post about it in your blog. Yes, at a point I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do it because it's fun. And after I was just like, well, no, because like that actually took a lot of my time. And if you want me to recipe develop or like create something, then like I should charge you for that. Or if you want my photos, like I should charge you for that. And they're always going to lowball you when you start, especially when you're green. Mm -hmm. And that's just so common because we are literally in this industry of like freebies and trades. And that's, yes, yes and that's yes. such a thing I really want to stop. Like, I get it to a certain degree. To a certain degree, I get it if there's, like, a mutual benefit from both sides and, like, whatever your agreement is. But I really, I really do not believe that as, like, a long-term way to sustain our industry. And I don't think, and I don't think it's valuing what anyone's talent is or what they're really bringing to the table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So definitely you've paved the road for a lot of the foodies who are aspiring oh, to do what you do right that's now. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, you, you are known as one of the OGs, Vancouver oh, foodies. <laughs> that's really sweet. Like that's, yeah, thank you. So has there been, you mentioned it's, it's a tough road. So are there any big challenges where as you're developing your career that made you want to you know almost yes. stop what you're doing and consider you know going back to a more stable a career. million thousand times like yes 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 <laughs> you know like and thanks for saying that because um you know there were so many people like traditional journalists that uh were like the real ogs of that world and that really uh welcomed me and and really respected what i was doing and you know helped me along the way and some um, original bloggers too that did it when the original boom, I think it was 2005, they started theirs. So they really helped me as well, but thank you so much. Um, there was so many times when I wanted to uh, give up because especially in that seventh year, it was almost like, you know how they call it a seven year itch in a relationship? It was the mm -hmm. same thing with work. Yes. It was just like, okay, I've been doing this for seven <laughs> years now. And honestly, like it has so many ups and downs. You know, it's like the beginning you're on this high because everything is like happening so fast and like, this is so good. And then three years later, like I completely stopped because I was so burnt out and knew that I felt like a hamster on like an exercise wheel where you're just like running and you're going nonstop and you're just like, this is so not sustainable for one person. And what the hell am I going to do? And just like, I can't live off of like these hundred dollar paychecks here and there. And so it's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And then you literally just like want to give up so many times. And like, that's the most important. Because when you're on a high, it's easy to stay on a high. It's those like ultimate lows yeah. that are just like, hey, how are you going to ride the lows? 
because the, the, the highs are easy to ride. That's just like smooth sailing. Like, this is great. I can pick the fruits of my labor, but it's not always going to be like that. So when you come into the industry, you really have to realize like, it's not always going to be like this. Top Chef is not always going to be there. Um, you know, this is not always going to, you know, so you have to find other ways to sustain your career and really be and that that drive persistence. Like you really have to appreciate the journey, regardless of what the goal is sometimes, because otherwise you're just going to resent it. You're going to hate it and you're not going to last. So what really helped you push past those obstacles? Because you said, hey, I wanted to quit so, so many, many times. times. So uh, yeah, I think really <laughs> like friends and family, you have to have a really good foundation and support system because emotionally it's going to take a huge toll on you. Um, you know, they have to be super mm -hmm. patient and supportive of what you're doing because, I mean, it was really hard for my parents to see me for like the first few years, like literally not sleep at all, um, you know, save my pennies, uh, you know, as all of my other friends were getting like promoted and all of this stuff and, you know, doing their careers. And it was just like, that was hard, but like, I'm really lucky they did turn around and start to support me. And then like just having friends and family, like, you know, you're going to get there. Like it's going to happen to that, uh, having that emotional support help. And then I think like Top Chef, I'm so, 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 so grateful to have that show just because that was really the equivalent of like a record label, you know, a record deal for like an aspiring singer. Mm -hmm. Like that really helped. And that's something that would have never came. But then if I looked at it, like, it would have never came if I didn't say yes to so many things. And like at a certain point, like mm -hmm. there's the theory, the theory of yes, where you say yes to everything, hoping it leads somewhere. And there's also the theory of no, where it's like, don't say yes to everything and you look more desirable, blah, blah, blah. I did not have the luxury to say no to everything, you know, so I had <laughs> to say yes to everything. And if you think about it, like if I didn't say yes to everything, I probably wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened, you know? So when you're, you have yeah. to pay your dues. And it doesn't, it doesn't come fast. Yeah. It doesn't come easy. So I think that's one of the things is like, and you can't also give yourself a timeline. Like people are like, I'm going to give myself a year or two years. It's like, well, if I gave myself even five years, I wouldn't have been on Top Chef because I would have given up. So it's like there, there can't even be like this time of like in three years, I want to make it to do this. It's like this stuff is going to take a lot of time. You have to pay your dues. You have to do tons of stuff in order to, and you may not even make it. That's the tricky part. But you have to start. You have to start somewhere and you have to do it. And you really have to have a lot of grit, like a lot of grit to hold on and to like go through all those times. Yeah. Yeah. So like you mentioned, even that meeting where you which you mentioned, hey, I was oh, late yeah. to it and it just happened. You met the person yeah. years ago. Right. So it was years. In the oh, making, for sure. Really. It was just like over so much time. Like, you know, like I don't even know where what would have happened if if he wasn't there, you know, we would have just lost contact. And I really think without going to that meeting and yeah, I was already 20 minutes late for it. So without like, I missed the entire <laughs> presentation, but without getting that reconnected again, like I, Mark, they didn't mm -hmm. know who I was in Toronto. They didn't, they had no idea who I was. So without Mark pitching my name forward, like it just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so now that, you know, when you go out, people recognize you. And I'm not sure if you recall, but I did actually recognize you in Vancouver one time when I saw you at brunch and I was totally fangirl. Which you one? From Which brunch place? So, uh, I, it was at, uh, what is that place called? On Alberni, that, uh, that hotel on Alberni. But we were there was for it, brunch. Was it a French restaurant? Or was it yeah. something? Yeah. Yes, it was French? yes, yes. Okay.
So we were there for brunch and I saw you at like a few tables down. I'm like, oh my that's God, her. that's so funny. <laughs> so now that, now that people recognize you, like how does, does it feel like you have to be on um, You know what? Yes and no. Like for me, I'm naturally very energetic and bubbly. So it's kind of always there's an on, but definitely, I mean, it's so hard to say because when like I welcome people to say hi or if they see me at a restaurant or on the street or whatever it is and you know sometimes they message me later they're like oh I saw you here da 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 and I'm just like no like next time just say hi like I totally welcome it don't worry about it <laughs> um but then you know we all we also are human and we have our bad days so sometimes if I do have a bad day and like that happens then it's just you do have to like you know I want to put on a happy face just because you never want you know, anyone to meet you kind of in that distress like situation. So sometimes, yeah, there is like a need to feel like, um, you know, you, you want to be putting your best foot forward and like, you know, making a good impression and everything like that. But on the other hand, like I am super, super um, lucky and thankful and appreciative of any single person that watches like Top Chef or follows along what I do. And so for me, like that gratitude is just like genuine and just I genuinely want to just say like thank you for that yeah so well I was more concerned about whether I would be budging into you know your your evaluating oh my God, culinary no. experience so I just wanted to make sure you had no, your private so, space yeah. because I was thinking you know how how do you actually judge a culinary experience when you visit a restaurant now I'm sure you already, when you see a dish, you're like, oh, you're already evaluating it based on a few factors and then the restaurant experience. So what factors matter Yeah, that's a great question. You? It's actually hard to turn off because um, it, it's kind of how I started. And it's always been part of me, like critiquing a dish or seeing what I like and feeling out the whole restaurant experience. But I realized that like over time, because now that I've been doing this for 12 years, it's my role in the industry has kind of um, shifted a little bit. So, you know, before when I was starting to blog and everything like that, it was really on the food itself, where to get it, how good it was. If it wasn't good, I'd tell you why I didn't like it and all of that. Um, and then along the years, it's kind of moved, like ever since Top Chef and stuff, um, it's been more of chefs. Um, they kind of are looking, and I feel it myself too, they're kind of feeling like you, they want you to kind of like be more of an ambassador for the Canadian food scene and the chefs here overall. Um, and so, you know, I travel a lot around, around, around the world, you know, before COVID and kind of being that like Canadian voice or just like, um, you know, be, or just, um, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to say mentoring because I'm like, I feel like I'm not there yet, but uh, just pushing the Canadian scene forward and being more supportive of Canadian restaurateurs, Canadian chefs, and people trying to put their work out there. So nowadays I do a little bit less um, critiquing on a Canadian and local level, but more of like a supporting the community as a whole and the industry as a whole. But uh, when I am um, on the panels where I am judging uh, restaurants, uh, especially globally, then I definitely do like turn it on. Um, you know, nowadays, if I if I like it, I'm kind of more light about it. But if I'm actually judging, um, it, it just the whole thing switches on. And I really judge according to the context of the restaurant, though, because it's hard to compare restaurant A and B when both of them are for different clientels. So like very often, I kind of have to like put my shoes mm -hmm. into the, like the diner that would come here. Um, who is it for? And I look at the overall because sometimes that restaurant isn't out to be a fine dining restaurant. 
You know what I mean? So I can't judge it at the same level. But if it Mm -hmm. is at the same level and they are going for like, you know, the best of whatever, then I'll judge it from like, are the dishes hot? Um, You know, uh, how are the plates designed? Um, Is it an idea I've seen before? What kind of ingredients are using? Like if you're going to tell me something as a chef that like I'm using the best ingredients or X, Y, Z, like I will literally call you out on it. Or I will ask you like, why does this potato Mm -hmm. taste different than that potato? Or like this sauce isn't clarified enough or, you know, the ratio of this, did you eat it before you have it? You you know what I mean? I'll really go into that. Um, But where, where it's necessary and when Mm -hmm. that, when I'm wearing that hat. Yeah. Mm. So it seems like, you know, you've gotten more and more experience on judging on uh, the different aspects that makes a dish you know, a top tier dish is, do you think that this experience is from the various seasons that you've been on Top Chef Canada? Has each season made you Um, a better Top Chef is interesting because it's not like judging a regular restaurant because I have, yeah, it's judging a competition. Mm -hmm. So in in the context of very stressful conditions. So even talking to past um, competitors of the show, the chefs still say it's one of the hardest things that they ever done. You know, and they still say that that competition was crazy because, you know, they have a lack of sleep. They're not talking to their friends or family. Like, they don't have their cell phones with them. Um, They are under an immense amount of pressure. And then having us, like, you know, talk to you about your food. It's just, like, there's so much stuff going on. And we give you limitations. Like, you only have this much budget. You only have, you have to cook for this many people. Uh, You have to cook with people you don't like. You have to cook with people you like. Yeah, kitchens you don't know. So the context of it is so different that we have, that I have to realize like, hey, they're working under these conditions. And based on that, what type of food am I getting? Mind you, they're all given the same circumstance. So it's fair to pair them up one against another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So of course, like on, on screen, when we eventually see the episodes, we only see snippets of what's happening for the interactions between the judges and the competitors. And like you mentioned, they're, they're there the whole time filming. So do you also work with the competitors you know, off screen to help them improve when the cameras aren't on? Or is your only interaction with them only when you are uh, This is a good question. I have to say, though, your questions are awesome. These are some of the best interview questions I've ever gotten. Like, they're really interesting and they really go deep. <laughs> um, so no one's ever asked me that, but I think uh, that's an awesome question because I actually have no idea the competitors. Like, I, I do in terms of their name and when I see them for judging time, but I get zero interaction with them through... Mm-hmm through all the behind the scenes stuff and stuff you don't see. Like we're not allowed to talk to them. We hardly see them. We're kept in different rooms. And that's because the show, yeah, the show wants to keep it all unbiased, like very unbiased. So they don't want us creating relationships with like the chefs and and talking to them and stuff because I get it. Like you can build relations and then you can, you can like start to favor one of the chefs more than the other. So like literally if like one of the chefs is using the washroom, I have to wait until they leave the washroom and then I can use the washroom. Like we're not allowed to be in the same rooms. We're not allowed to talk to each other. If they're in line getting like uh, catering or getting some food, I have to wait until they go back upstairs and I can wait in line. Like they keep us super separate. Oh wow. Oh yeah. For that sure. is very strict. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is super strict. Well, then, does that mean uh, what's the duration of the recording session, though? So you mentioned no phones; they are there the whole time. They need to finish recording the whole session, I guess, the whole season mm -hmm. in one go, right? The so how long is, is that filming? So throughout session the season, the, show, yeah. the filming, the recordings get shorter and shorter as more competitors go home. But when the first episode starts, mm -hmm. so say that's like eleven competitors. Um, on the very first thing you have to do like introductions to all the chefs and all of that stuff that first day can take and including like the elimination and they also have the quick fire the day before so it's two days worth of work to do one episode and those two days can take up to 30 hours of footage and then you guys get to see 45 minutes of that oh wow <laughs> <laughs> so it's to, so you take all the best parts and that's all. That's why like the behind the scenes is super interesting to me. I'm, I'm just wondering, oh, okay, there's actually no interaction, which is so surprising. But it does make sense when you explain, you know, they want to eliminate. For sure, for sure. But then that's what it also feels extra cold mm -hmm. because like I haven't been able to talk to them or like, you know, whatnot. So it's like the first time you meet me, if you've never met me before, I'm literally telling you you're either in the top three and why I liked you mm -hmm. or why you're in the bottom three and why I thought your food was good. <laughs> so it's like, it's super cold and it's so awkward because it's like, hey, nice to meet you. You don't know me at all, but now I'm going to judge your food and tell you why it wasn't good. And then there's no way to like, after you vote them off to be like, I'm really sorry, <laughs> like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, they literally go home. Like you will not see them again until you, until yeah. whatever. So it's just like you feel so bad and so cold because there's no relationship developing. Yeah, well, that must be hard for someone like you. Yeah, so it is. It's extremely hard. All the time, so it's yeah, so hard sure. to it's just, just deliver like, bad news. It's really hard for me because I love like getting to know people and giving like more context and, you know, at least giving some like words of like positivity before mm -hmm. they leave, which we do. But it's just like, in, like more or less, it's, that's the end of the road for you. And we just won't see you until we see you again. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like the recording is really intense for each of the seasons that you've been a part of. Right. Every season is crazy. So has there been the most like a most memorable? Oh, most memorable. I think every year the finale is incredibly memorable. Um, I love those. I love those. Uh, mm -hmm. The finales are all are always awesome. But then I remember there were some years where it was like, um, I think it was Nathan. And I think that was maybe season six, where he um, bowed out of the competition. So he was just like, oh, I'm gonna bow out of the competition. And like, oh. we weren't expecting that. And all of us were just like, oh my god like what do we do what's going on like you know and then the producers in our ear he's like okay nobody say anything nobody talk we're figuring out what to do because it's all live right like live for us and so he's just like let him talk let him talk. Yeah. Just like, okay okay yes. like let him talk and then the producer's like say stay there nobody talk nobody talk like we're figuring out what to do and we're just like okay so there's some, like sometimes when that happens and then we got caught off guard because we're expecting like we know what's going to happen. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it ends up, they throw something at us and we're just like, okay, well, that was unexpected. So where do we go from here? Yeah. yeah. So there's been certain things like that. And then, um, you know, like little things like that, where that was pretty exciting for us on our side, where our hearts are racing as well. Yeah. But um, for the most part, I think like the mm -hmm. finale episodes are, are, you know, because I think at the finale, like we go in being neutral, like we don't know who's going to win. We don't know whatever. And then we just end up getting, you know, sometimes really caught off guard or 
you know, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how about whether there has been a most memorable dish? Because you're so passionate about food. I'm like, is there one that really stood out to you that you're like, I need to go to yeah. this competitor's um, restaurant? You know, I definitely <laughs> will still remember Paul Paul Moran. He was on season uh, seven, mm -hmm. I think. And honestly, his finale meal was pretty ridiculous. It was pretty, he and you just knew you just knew that he had practiced that like way before the show started. You know what I mean? Like that was a dish that he knew exactly what he wanted to do if he made it into the finale. You just knew that this guy was preparing for the finale even like from before he was born. Like he knew exactly what he wanted to play and like it was practiced, it was rehearsed, it was delicious. And like, again, we had no idea, but you just knew that his personality was the type that's gonna, like he's in it to win it. And that meal was, ridiculous like just he did this pigeon yeah. dish and it was literally like a textbook version of of a perfect pigeon dish from like a fine dining french restaurant with like perfectly clarified you it was i don't even know how you could get make that even better so that pigeon dish was one of those ones that were just super iconic <laughs> and just like he, he did a great job well now mm -hmm. looking forward to the new season what are some things that you are excited about? Do you know anything about the competitors right now? Like, is there anyone you are I was excited for excited the whole about? thing. Like, I, I had no idea. So we never know, you know, the process of finding out the 11 or picking the 11. I, I'm never a part of that. Um, you know, by the time I see it, they just kind of, they present us. These are the 11 competitors. And then it's just like, oh, my God. And, and you know, some of them I end up knowing. Some of them um, I don't. But... Um, you know, this season, I think I knew maybe like a, a couple of them, two or three of them, but then the rest were very new faces for me. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was really excited because there was such a diverse representation and it just really represented um, all across Canada from, you know, and Winnipeg. I don't even know if we've had a competitor from there, not since I've been judging at least. So that was just super, super mm -hmm. interesting for me. And some of them, I know the chefs that they work for as well. And so some of these are sous chefs and chef de cuisines uh, rather than executives. So I know that the people they work for. So I'd be like, okay, well, this is probably going to be more their style then, or maybe these are going to be their flavors. But I'm super excited to get to, you know, know them on a, on a better level through the food that they present. Mm -hmm. And then I guess before the pandemic, of course, when you were still traveling across Canada for work and leisure, did you manage to actually visit any of the restaurants where the competitors were from in past seasons you've been on? Like, hey, I need to go back to this chef's restaurant and have more of their food. Has there oh, been a definitely. competitor that's um, drawn so you to There do are that? sometimes where it's like they present the competitors and like, wow, I've actually been to half of the restaurants these people are from. But then there's sometimes when it's just like, I haven't, but it was on my mm -hmm. to-do list. And that was actually Ross Larkin. So Ross Larkin comes from, uh, uh, mm. oh my gosh, the name, it's not, it's in, it's not in Fogo Island, but it's uh, the, one of the top restaurants in Canada. And it just suddenly totally slipped my name. Ross Larkin was from Raymond's, sorry, in Newfoundland. That's what it was. So I had never been to Newfoundland yet because it's really far okay. from Vancouver. So it's like this like 14, 12, 14 hour flight where I could go to <laughs> yeah. Europe or Asia for that time. And so I just had never really thought of it as one of those like, you know how sometimes we can be in Canada like, oh, like 
if I'm going to spend this money or that time, like I'll get to it one day. I live here. Right. So Ross had won the competition and I was just like, oh my gosh, like I really want to try. I've been wanting to try Raymond's for years. And I, I know um, Jeremy Charles who owns the restaurant and me and him have crossed paths um, at a few events and stuff uh, prior to Ross winning. And so I was always saying, I need to go make it out to Raymond's, but again, it's in Newfoundland, so it's more of a stretch. And then after Ross won and he did an incredible finale <laughs> meal as well, I was like, okay, now I really have to go because I really want to know what that restaurant is about. And so, um, yeah, I ended up taking myself to Newfoundland and then going to the restaurant. I did. I did. So did you I really did. just 14 so I hours? That. I went to 14 hours just, just for, for that, that trip, <laughs> just for that restaurant. And I also wanted to try uh, Fogo Island at Fogo Island Inn, as well as Mallard Cottage, which was Todd Perrin. He was also another competitor on Top Chef. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm I spend so much of my time in Vancouver, in Toronto and Montreal. Um, so I, you know, and Calgary as well, actually, but I do need to like, um, diversify my my, uh, my Canadian restaurants more but again it, it's it's a lot of time and money to do that but um, I do want to be supportive of the industry overall and so I decided I was like I'm just going to commit to the time and I'm going to explore Newfoundland, uh, New, New, Newfoundland and um, yeah and, and see what's out there and see what's what's all the excitement about and, and see where you know Ross got all his teachings from and inspiration from ingredients from. Awesome. Well, now I'm super inspired to go further east because, you know, I yeah, also sure. only make it out to Toronto Newfoundland, and Montreal. Um, Ottawa so now I want to go to Newfoundland. <laughs> also, when I went to Winnipeg, I was very pleasantly surprised. Winnipeg was great, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Really? Wow. Huh. I will I'll have help to make you it out there. I've only tip. been to Winnipeg once, but... Yeah, I haven't seen but Ottawa. Ottawa, yes. And Quebec City, yes, I will need like that some list interesting from you. <laughs> things happening there too. And I hear also Edmonton, which has been years since I've been to, but those areas are kind of ones where I'm like, oh, hey, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe yes, this exactly. Like it's a great idea. Road trip. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Mijun, for joining us today. And as we wrap it up, can you let our audience yes, know where they can April catch your 19th, premiere of season So Monday, nine. April 19th. Um, and we're on at 10 p.m. Eastern time or Pacific time. But then if you're in Vancouver, you can catch it at 7 or you can catch it at 10. And it's going to be on Food Network. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. It's still a little while away, but I'm going to be ordering in and sitting by the TV, making sure I catch every moment of it. Thank you so much. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Main Hustle. If you enjoy stories of individuals and entrepreneurs building their brands and companies from scratch and from the ground up, this is the podcast for you. Hit subscribe and we hope to see you at future episodes. Thanks for listening.